1 through 9. Then Jonah prayed to the Lord, his God, from the belly of the fish, saying, I called out to the Lord out of my distress, and he answered me. Out of the belly of Sheol I cried, and you heard my voice. For you cast me into the deep, into the heart of the seas, and the flood surrounded me. All the waves and your billows passed over me. Then I said, I am driven away from your sight, yet I shall again look upon your holy temple. The waters closed in over me to take my life. The deep surrounded me. Weeds were wrapped about my head. And at the roots of the mountains, I went down to the land whose bars closed up on me forever. Yet you brought up my life from the pit, O Lord, my God. When my life was fainting away, I remembered the Lord and my prayer came to you into your holy temple. Those who pay regard to vain idols forsake their hope of steadfast love. But I, with the voice of thanksgiving, will sacrifice to you what I have vowed I will pay. Salvation belongs to the Lord. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You've heard the phrase probably before, there are no atheists in foxholes. Uh, Now, if you've ever met uh, an atheist, they would tell you that's not true. (laughs) And that's probably not true. But what the point is, is that when trouble comes, when, when trials come, when death is knocking at the door, you reach out or pray to something. You, you want something to save you. You want to be in a place where you can call out and hope that there is something that will pull you out of that. Now, that's where Jonah's at. Quite honestly, Jonah, through chapter 1, has been operating as a functional atheist. Really, he, he says that he believes in God, he's a prophet of God, but much of what he does in his life is as if God doesn't exist. It's as if God has no right on his life to pursue him or to move him to do something that he's called him to. It's basically a functional atheist who says, I don't, I don't believe what's going on with you. I don't think you're here. There's one point in chapter one where he does say, well, this is who I am. And he identifies himself as one who follows after God. But if we looked at the fruit of his life, we would recognize he's really just speaking words there. It's not exactly how he's been living. But here he gets thrown over. He recognizes that he's the cause of this. He is somewhat uh, magnanimous in trying to save the, the people that he's with on the boat by saying, yeah, just toss me off. And God causes then the waters to stop, and then a big fish to come and swallow him. And it's then in that fish. And so we know it's in the fish because he tells us that it's in the fish, that he prays this prayer. Now, we don't know. We weren't there. We don't know if Jonah had sunk all the way down before the fish comes and grabs him. We don't know if it was immediately that the fish grabs him. By the way, the the prayer goes, it seems like he probably sunk far down. And then the fish comes and saves him. And then he prays this prayer. And I, the title of this sermon is called The Model Prayer question mark. Because I think there's some things in here that as we walk with God, especially in times of trouble, and especially in times where it feels as though our life is ebbing away, there are some great things that we can pray out of this that guide us. But I'm not quite sure it's the complete model prayer for us. So we're going to kind of dig into that a little bit and see what is going on. The first thing that we recognize that Jonah does is he turns his face to the Lord and he recognizes the Lord. 
He sees who God really is. This is the place for Jonah where his heart turns from being a functional atheist to actually beginning to believe again that this God that he says that he follows is worthy of being following, is the one who has been pursuing him all along in his kindness and compassion. And he starts to recognize it. We see that happen throughout this prayer. He says, I called to the Lord, that's Yahweh, the personal name of God. He used that in chapter one. That's who I called out to. And he's powerful and he answered me. All right. Then he talks about what the Lord had done. And we're going to get to that in just a minute. Then he says, I look to your holy temple. That's the place where God resided for the Israelites, the holy temple. I looked there and there you were. You are real. You are pertinent in my life. You are actually preeminent in my life. He says, that's where I looked. And then he said, oh, Lord, my God. So we recognize this place where he begins to see who the Lord is. So it's important for us to begin that way as well. That when we are feeling overwhelmed or even when we're feeling not overwhelmed, where it seems like everybody else around us, their lives are going crazy, but our life isn't. Some would say, just wait. <laughs> right? But even in that place, it's not about what you've done to get your life that good. It's that you are walking and God is walking with you. That in that moment, it's not that he's making your life easier and their lives harder. It's the fact that your life is easy right now and their life is harder right now. That's okay. But either one of us, wherever we're at, we should first recognize that the Lord is the Lord. That he is God. That he is mighty and holy, high and lifted up. That he is the one who holds the earth together and that he sits in his holy temple watching over, caring, and pursuing us to bring us into relationship with himself so that we can know who we are most completely. So that's the first thing we see. Then we see that, that Jonah here recognizes not only is he the Lord, but that he is powerful, that he is purposeful, that he has something that he is doing. Now, there's a negative consequence here, and there's a positive consequence here. So we'll look at the negative, and we'll look at the positive, all right? Because it's hard for us when we look at the negative. But we're going to look at it first before we move to the positive, okay? It says, I called out to the Lord out of my distress, and he answered me. Positive, sorry. Had to get there. And then he says, for you, he's speaking to the Lord, cast me into the deep, into the heart of the sea, and the flood surrounded me, and all your waves and all your bellows passed over me. That's hard, right? That's a hard word to hear that in some ways, this is um, Jonah saying, you're causing this to happen. It's you that are doing this. You threw me over. We can look back and go, well, it wasn't, it wasn't the Lord that threw you over. It was the, the, the sailors that threw you over. You caused this storm to come. It's your waves, it's your bellows that are causing this to happen. Too often in our lives, many of us, when things that come hard to us happen, we begin to turn it on ourselves and say, what have I done to bring this about? What is the thing that I have done that I'm being punished for? See, Jonah at this point could very well be in a place of thinking this is the punishment of God. 
Now, if you remember, a few weeks ago, we talked about how this is the compassion of God. That even in those places of suffering, that is God pursuing us because ultimately we know that in Christ, God is the one who suffered the most for us. That ultimately in Christ, God comes down and he walks in our suffering. In fact, Paul lets us know that it is through suffering that our faith increases. So if we hear a message that says, oh, when you become a Christian, everything's going to be hunky-dory and everything's going to be good, then you need to turn away from that. Because that's not truth. Oh, it tickles our ears and it makes us feel good. But as soon as we walk out the door of that building or stop that YouTube clip, then we recognize that that's not the real world that we live in. That there are hard things that happen each and every day. And the danger for us, very much like Jonah, is to say, you're doing this to me and what have I done to deserve it? But in that, he also recognizes that it is God that is moving. That it is in fact God who is mighty and over all things. That in him and through him all things have their being. That in Christ he holds the universe together. That there is not a thing that happens that he doesn't know is going to happen. It's not like he wakes up every morning and goes, what's going to happen today? He knows. He is walking and working within it. He also recognizes that, that the world is broken. We'll get back to that. So we recognize that the Lord is high and lifted up and we recognize that the Lord works and he works in hard things, suffering, to bring us to a place of this, where then Jonah says this, I am driven away from your sight, yet I shall look upon your holy temple. He said, when my life was fainting away, I remembered the Lord and my prayer came to you. He recognizes that the Lord is doing these things that's bringing about this suffering that's causing him to go down to the depths of the earth. And yet, he is also the one who is faithful to save. Why? Because salvation belongs to the Lord. That's the last part. Why is he faithful to save? Because his whole being, all of the Lord, is about salvation. It is about bringing things into the right. It's about moving them to completion as they always have been. And so he says, I I will look to you because not only are these things coming from you, the good things, the pure things, the, the things that will save me come from you. It's very much like a lament for us. And we've spent a lot of time here at Fremantle Church looking at lament and talking about lament and we've done a sermon series. You can go back on the podcast and find it about lament where we talk about what it means. And we recognize here in Jonah's prayer, it's a lament. He's saying, all these bad things are happening, yet I will look to the Lord. And then praise and thanksgiving comes. So that's our next thing that we see in this prayer. We see that God is magnificent and good and that God works in good and bad. That he is in control of all things. Some would say the word sovereign. It's a big churchy word. But he means he is. And there's no getting around it. He holds all things together in that. Then the third thing is this. 
we have to be honest and recognize the brokenness of the world. In our prayers, we have to be honest and recognize the brokenness of the world. What Jonah does when he says, this is happening to me, I'm dying. It wasn't as if he was saying, this is a good thing. I don't want this to, I want this to happen. I'm happy for this to happen. Now, he might have wanted it to happen while he was on the boat. Like, go ahead and kill me now. And he comes back to that later in chapter four, which we'll get to in a few weeks. But at this point, at this moment, Jonah's heart is turned somewhat to God where he's recognizing who God is and he begins to recognize who his self is and he recognized the, the desperate situation that he's in. And the reality is until we recognize who God is, we all are in that situation. We all are barred in. We all are at the bottom of the earth. We all are trapped in Sheol. If we don't recognize who God is, if we don't see his loving, steadfast pursuit of us, if we build our identity in a place that is against, then we are trapped, just like Jonah. And so Jonah has to recognize that, right? The first step in overcoming a problem is to admit that it is a problem. So if we do away with sort of this understanding that the world is broken, or even that it's progressively getting better <laughs> without God, then we miss the point. It is when we recognize that God is the one who is making it better. God is the one what, who salvation belongs to. Then we move in that direction towards him. So we have to recognize that the world is broken and that we too are broken in that place. Then the last thing that we need to see, and we've talked about this, this was the first sermon, is that salvation belongs to the Lord. So the Lord is big and mighty. He's the one who works in both good and bad. He is accomplishing his purposes in our lives, both particularly individually and corporately and throughout the world. He is the one who is ordained what is happening. We move in him. We have our being in him. We recognize, though, that the world is broken, and so suffering comes in, that sin breaks in and causes death. We see that happening, but then we know this promise to be true. And that's the reason why, like Jonah, we can say, I turn to the temple. He says it twice. I turn to the temple. I look to the temple. I remember where you're at. I see you high and lifted up. Not only that, I recognize that if anybody goes to anything else other than you, it is in vain. It is worthless. Those who pay regard to vain idols forsake what? Their hope in steadfast love. Catch that every other thing, whether it be internal or external, whether it be how I want to see, be seen myself, who I am, or how I want others to perceive me, any other thing that we put our hope in is in vain. And we miss out on the steadfast love of God. Now, perhaps you're like me and you feel like you're in, like Jonah in the belly of the well and kind of getting a bit spit out of the belly of the well into the water again and then suck back into the belly of the well and then spit back up and then and like you're like just get me to the shore lord would you just get me to the shore because it seems like I'm on this vicious pattern where I start to believe this stuff and then I stop believing it and I get sucked in again and then I start to believe it and then listen that's the reason why God says you shouldn't be alone One of the things that we'll recognize about Jonah here is Jonah, for whatever reason, is he decides to stay alone. He doesn't engage throughout this book with anyone else but himself. 
When we're with ourselves, we like to tell ourselves little lies, sweet little lies, to quote Fleetwood Mac. (laughs) That whisper in our ears and tell us, oh, it's all right. You're who you are. You're supposed to be. No, no, this is happening to you. This is not any of your fault. This is not a consequence of anything. This is all happening to you. And sadly, that's where we see Jonah, quite honestly. That's the reason why this is not a model prayer for us. Some would equivocate and say that Jonah asks for forgiveness, confesses his sin. He never does. He recognizes who God is. He recognizes how high and mighty he is. He recognizes that salvation comes from the Lord. But he never says, my decision to run away from you is what caused me to be on a boat. Now, yes, the Lord controlled the ocean, the sea. The Lord brought about deliverance in the the belly of that fish. Yes. But Jonah would have never been there had he obeyed. And he didn't. But he doesn't say that in this prayer. He doesn't say, I have sinned. He doesn't say, I have done this to myself. He doesn't take responsibility. And that's the reason why it's good for us to look at Matthew chapter 6, where the Lord says, let me teach you how to pray. Because the disciples said, how do we pray, Lord? And he says, this is how you pray. Our Father in heaven, holy is your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Does that sound familiar to some of the things that Jonah was saying? Yes. Give us this day our daily bread. Oh, yeah, that's good. Yeah, you're the one that provides. Salvation comes from you. You're the one that gives all good things. Yeah. Oh, and forgive us our debts or forgive us our trespasses. That's an admittance. That's a confession. One John tells us that if we confess our sins, he is faithful to forgive us. There's a place here where Jonah doesn't quite turn his heart all the way. That God, in whatever is his good providence in this, doesn't allow Jonah to see the full magnificence of his grace in his pursuit of steadfast love. That Jonah somehow has seaweed still over his eyes of his heart and he can't quite see what God is doing. We know this because of what happens later. But for us, the model prayer is to recognize that God is above all things, that he works in both good and bad ways, that we have to be honest about the brokenness of the world and we have to know that salvation comes from him. And in that, when we see those things, it causes us to confess. To say, oh, 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 my heart turns on itself. Oh, I prefer to sit on the throne of my heart. Oh, I want to be the one who is in control. I don't want to trust you. I don't want to believe in you. I'll say your name, but I'll function as one who doesn't believe that name. And Jesus reminds us here that through him, he, we can say, forgive me of my debts. Oh, as I also forgive those who have a debt against me. See, the great thing about it is, is when we begin to recognize who we are in prayer, when we begin to recognize our own heart and how God is transforming it and changing it, then it gives us the ability to actually see those around us differently. 
we begin to see them as those who are being pursued by God as well and not as somebody that we should push off or not as somebody as we should label or not somebody that we shouldn't have anything to do with. God moves us and shapes our hearts when we recognize how much we have been saved to love outside of ourselves. Which is why I would say Jonah doesn't quite get it yet. Because we see what he does in a couple of chapters and what happens. And you'll have to catch that later. So while there might not be any any atheist in foxholes, and while definitely there wasn't one in the belly of the fish, we too need to walk in what God has made us to walk in, which is a recognition of who he is. Let me pray for us. Father, you are good and all you do is good. Jesus, you make that possible. And so we hold on to that. Let us cry out in this prayer that recognizes your majesty, recognizes that you are working for your good pleasure, recognize that the world is broken and that we're broken in it, but that you bring us salvation. And in that, let us be grateful to you. It's in your name, Jesus, we pray. Amen. Let's stand and we'll sing.